okay, right. Yeah, it's the technology's fault, of course. Yeah, not me. Yeah. I just want us to reflect this morning on our own walk with the Lord because faith is a dynamic thing, isn't it? We're never just children of God. We, we grow up and then the, book, and the Bible talks about that. So I just want to reflect, have you seen spiritual growth in your life as the years have gone by? Now this is, this is when I do need this thing. I pressed it. Which is there. <laughs> yeah. I'll turn it on, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Can I start again? <laughs> there we go. I, I did press it. There we go. That's a, a bohemia tree. In 2004, when Melissa and I started at Newtown Mission, we planted a tiny little seedling. And it was from a tree that um, my stepmother gave me the seedling. It was from a bohemia tree, it's called. And it was in my front yard at home, the house I grew up in. And it was actually the tree that my birth mother was buried under. So it's, it was a really precious tree and, and my stepmom gave it to us to grow. And when I planted it, I, I scarcely thought it would grow as fast as it did. Um, it, over the years, it was, I was astounded how quickly we had to prune it and then had to um, watch as the winds off Botany Bay just sometimes bent it over double. This poor tree, you know, really had to weather the storms. And I just really was amazed how fast it grew. And it grew enough to be able to support a swing. The kids climbed it and the birds hit. There is actually, if you look, there is a cat in there looking, waiting for a bird to come. (laughs) Never the Indian miners, but yeah. Um, So it was an amazing tree and it was really something to watch it transform from a flimsy little seedling to a majestic tree. Now, I was at Fred and Carol's yesterday. It's nothing like your trees, guys, but I was pretty impressed anyway. It's, it's, a, it's a great little tree that I thought, wow, it became a bit of a symbol for life in a way at Newtown Mission as I was sort of trying to weather the hard times there and yet getting through, finding that... that even though hard seasons come, you can endure them. You can persevere and you get stronger. Have you found that? You find that we can get through the hard times in life and get stronger with the Lord's help. You know, perseverance builds stronger faith. It builds expectation that God's going to do great things of great fruitfulness as you realise you're getting through these difficult times and that's how it should be because there will be tough times there will be tough seasons as we see that first seedling spring from our first step of faith as that happens there will be tough times but the promise is you know we weather these storms and we'll get stronger we'll mature we'll grow and just as a strong healthy tree can produce abundant fruit so too we can expect to be more fruitful in the years to go, in the years to come. And I just want to say amen to that. Do you say amen to that? That we will see great fruit in the years to come. The best hasn't come. And, and Reverend Willis and, and Mrs Willis, thank you for your great faithfulness over the years, in the years past. And we just want to honour those that have come and just take up the baton afresh and just see God doing great things in the years to come. J. Willard Marriott has a wonderful quote. It says, Good timber does not grow with ease, 
the stronger the wind, the stronger the trees. And the prophet Jeremiah in 17.8, we will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of doubt. It never fails to bear fruit. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Can you testify that your faith has grown as the years gone by? Or, like too many, have you found that initial passion and hope and dream that you had in God? Have you found that sort of just gone? You're just going through the motions of life, not expecting too much from God and God not expecting too much from you. Well, I want to say as we maintain and trust God over the years, as we maintain that relationship with God, we can expect to grow. We should expect to grow. We should expect maturity and fruitfulness in every part of our life. I want to read this morning from the Apostle John's first letter. He has a wonderful little passage, only a couple of verses, talking about three distinct stages of life. Childhood, youth and adulthood. And in each, there's a really unique relationship with God that we see. So we read in, in 1 John 2, 12 to 14. Good, it's up there. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. I just want to tamper with John's order there so we have a bit of a natural flow from children to youth to adults. Well first John writes to dear children and I think it's that time when we're born again when we first start our Christian walk, that, those first steps of the Christian life. John notes two things about a little child of God. First, all our sins are forgiven on account of Jesus' name. And I really appreciated that song this morning, How Great Thou Art. And when I think that God himself not sparing, and when I think that God himself his son, God, his son not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in. That on that cross, my burdens, my burdens gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. It's so beautiful to own that. It's so beautiful when that becomes relevant in my life. I'm now officially a Christian for 20 years and it was wonderful, those who weren't here, my pastor from Armadale was here last week, um, Steve Jamison who was there in those early days. It was just so wonderful to see him and to think, wow, I never would have thought I'd be a pastor too all those, those years ago when all I really felt I had to offer God was this, in a sense, dung of a life, you know, like there wasn't much I really felt I had to offer God and yet sometimes out of that fertiliser, the best stuff grows. So I praise God just for that opportunity in my Christian walk to to reflect back and say, wow, God has been so good. But to have my sins forgiven was overwhelming. 
You know, that realisation that the countless acts of sin that I knew I'd done, and I'm sure there were many that I wasn't aware of, and all the selfishness, all of that was cleansed and all that guilt and shame that I felt was gone. It was overwhelming and it seemed like such a contradiction. You've got to admit weakness in order to grow strong, to gain strength. And we gain so much simply by that identification as a sinner, an imperfect sinner. But the good thing is the problem of sin has been dealt with. All we have to just sort of say is, yes, that's me, because there has been a solution. Yeah, John reveals the great reason, the great reason why God would do that in the first place, why he would forgive sins. And it's the second thing that John says, they now know the Father. The problem of sin is dealt with through the death of Jesus in order that I now have an unhindered, perfect relationship with God. Yeah, God and I are one. God wanted that relationship. God wants that relationship with everybody. You know, to be incomplete as a human being until that happens, until I'm brought into a relationship with my Creator. If I was to describe my view of God, it may be like too many people, a view of God as a harsh judge that I can't do enough to please. You know, those... That view of God that's taught by so many or had been taught by so many churches and, and like many not having a great relationship with my father, I wouldn't have thought that that was a good sort of way for God to be revealed anyway as father. But Jesus declares that, doesn't he? He's our heavenly father and that's a good thing. And through these simple declarations of faith, these simple declarations Yes, you died for me, Jesus. We, we have God given permission to reveal himself as our Father. Perfect, unconditional, limitless love flowing as it always was meant to, flowing into our lives. Charles Spurgeon, who's a very famous preacher from the 19th century, says this about his very early days as a Christian. When I drew near to God, there was no routine no matter of mere duty. It was real talking with my Father who is in heaven. That real understanding that God is real, he's in heaven and we get to commune with him. A wonderful thing. Now a seed that's first planted in soil and first sprouts, it does so because it's getting everything it needs to be able to do that. The nutrients and water in the ground, the, the sunlight from above, it needs these things. And it has them in endless supply. And so it's able to grow. All it has to do is just avail itself of these things to grow. It doesn't have to worry about much else. It doesn't have to worry about producing seed or fruit. That's in years to come. It just has to be. It just is. And that's like us as, as newborn babies in the Lord. We just have to be and receive everything from the Father who says, all I have is yours. Everything I have is yours to receive. And I think about those early days as a Christian as God entered my life. It was like a flood. And again, we sang that song, Oh Happy Day, endless joy, perfect peace. I didn't even know I needed joy and peace in my life, but God just lavished them on me because he knew I needed them. And I think like a child, 
totally dependent on their God, they, on, on the parent. You just want to receive. Do you remember being like that in your Christian faith? Just wanting to receive. Just wanting to take everything that's on offer. I think about my prayer life. It was so fervent in those days. Because even if the answer was no or not yet, I thought, but God's so good. I received that answer as the perfect answer. Every sermon I felt was God speaking to me. Every sermon was like, yes, that's what I needed to hear. Just receiving like a child. Every time of ministry, any, any time of ministry, I thought, that's for me. And I would avail myself of it. And by doing that, I grew. God knew what was ahead for me and knew I had to be strong to be able to you know, endure what was ahead and, and produce fruit. So I received and, and I pray, if that's you, that, that you're in those early days as a Christian, you would avail yourself of everything that's on offer by God. If your sins have been forgiven, then God wants just to allow you to be the strongest person you can be and just wants you to receive and receive and receive. It says in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. God feeds us spiritually because he wants us to grow spiritually. Because seedlings don't stay seedlings. Babies don't stay babies, do they? We don't, we don't expect it physically, so we shouldn't expect it spiritually. All this feeding is to make you stronger so that you produce spiritual fruit. All that potential in you starts to get unleashed. I think of a simple apple seed just walking along Shipley Road. I've watched as these trees have gone from being quite bare to absolutely overflowing with apples. It's quite something to, to see how many apples there. But I think about an apple seed. No one tells an apple seed it can do this. It's written into the DNA of the apple seed. It sprouts, it changes from a seed to a seedling. And then as the years go by, it grows. And at the right time, you know, the branches, when they're strong, produces fruit. And that foundation underground is strong enough to be able to bear the fruit. It's fantastic. Well, that potential locked up in an apple seed allows it to produce apples. And what's good for the apple tree has to be good for us, doesn't it? All that potential that's in us can be unleashed. That spiritual DNA where God himself, Jesus promised in John 15:5, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. That's a will statement. You will, if you remain in me, all of this great stuff that will flow from me to you will allow you to bear much fruit. Fruit of righteousness, Jesus calls it. Fruit that will last forever. Way beyond our time. That's why it's so exciting to see generations of people because you start seeing eternal things happening in our midst. This church, I just think about 125 years of ministry. All those people that were here in those early days, are eternally with God now because of what happened in their lives. We should get excited about this, this, this fruit that we're allowed to bear. Well, as we move on from a little child, we go to the young man of faith. Poor, uh, John writes three things about these men, young men of faith. First, you are strong. And as we remain with the Lord, we are strengthened. As we remain with the Lord, we are strengthened and God wants us to use that strength. John doesn't say, young men, be strong. 
Come on, be strong. He says, no, you are. If you remain in the Lord for a significant amount of time, you will be strong. If we think about if if we have a little seedling and we water it and we give it sun and we give it all the nutrients, we don't expect in the years to come that it's going to stay a seedling. And same in our lives, that we grow, we mature as we, stray, as we stay with the Lord. And the first thing we have is strength. The product of meeting together week in and week out, of praying constantly, the, the, all the fellowship we have together, the ministry times we have together, the worship that we have. It's not just to have a nice Sunday morning. The point is we grow stronger as a result. We do grow stronger. If you remain with God, you are strong. You might question that. But God says, you are strong if you have remained with me. All that feeding has made you strong. Healthy babies grow stronger. They, they eventually start crawling as Maya is and then eventually they will start to walk. I sort of think, you know, it would be ridiculous if there was a grown man, a child that, that was perfectly healthy but was still lying in a cradle because there was just no point. You know, they just didn't think they were strong. But they, they were, it was just their minds. Actually, physically they were strong. It's like us. Our minds might tell us we're not strong, but the Lord says you are strong if you've done this week in and week out. You're not that baby anymore. You know, we're given that strength because of the fruit that's ahead, the fruit that he wants all of us to produce. Strong branches give us a big harvest. It's going to look different for everyone. That harvest will look different. We're not clones. But we should all expect it. It's not just some people that will produce fruit. Every single Christian has that, that same capacity to be able to produce fruit in their life. And it's related, I think, particularly to this second aspect. The Word of God lives in you. It's not just head knowledge. This stuff... These, these sermons, these times together, it's not just to learn stuff. It's great stuff to learn, but there's a practical dimension, isn't there? A practical effect that the Word of God should be having on us. We understand that when we go into university, don't we? We don't just go there to have four years of study and then go back to life. Think about carpentry, think about accountants, policemen, whatever it is. We don't just go and learn about it We've actually got to take that, that theoretical stuff that we've learned and, and apply it and then that potential of what we've learned is realised and it's no different. It's no different in our lives. God, his word reveals to us there's a far greater reality going on than what we see with our eyes and we learn our part in that. We learn that God's grander plan is beyond... Or there's a greater plan behind all the randomness of life, all the inequality that goes on, all the contradictions. God wants to work through us to see sense made of all that, to see his kingdom expanded. You know, the power of prayer, it teaches us that in the Bible, the need for faith. We learn about that in the Bible, but it's just theoretical unless we're applying it. And then we see that the word of God is alive and living in us when it's practised. I'm so grateful for this church that, that I've inherited, you know, I've inherited somewhere that says that what our number one value is biblically based learning. I love that. But it's just a theory, isn't it? 
if it's not put into practice, if we don't take the word of God and actually see what it can do in our time, may the potential of the word of God be unleashed through us. Well, the third aspect of a young man of faith, you have overcome the evil one. I think I've really lamented the fact that many in the Western church get embarrassed about this one. They get embarrassed about the spiritual warfare. And they, they might get apologetic. Oh, yeah, but that's, uh, it's a different time. You know, I love, again, that this church takes for granted that there is a spiritual dimension to life. As we believe the word of God, we take God at his word, particularly that word you have overcome. We take God that we have victory. Own that this morning. We have victory over the evil one. We have overcome Satan. We've already done that. That grip he had on our lives, that, that grip he has on so many others. When did that happen? It was the moment we decided we would believe that Jesus died for us. Do you know what it took for that to happen? Can you imagine how incredible that was? Heaven rejoices when one sinner turns because they know what holds Satan and the evil one have on the world. They know what it takes for that to happen. So you have already Done that. It is a mighty thing that we've done, all of us. We have overcome the evil one. But we know the Word of God also says he's out to do as much damage as Satan does not want to see people come into a relationship with God. He's out to stop that happening. He knows it says that his time is short, so he's trying desperately to stop people coming to faith. He's always trying to put wedges between people and God. He's always tried to do that and he continues to do it. You know, bad circumstances in life. Well, well, how can there be a good God if bad things happen? Or trying to make things that I know I shouldn't be doing seem acceptable or okay. Or trying to wear us out so that we don't remember we're strong. He does whatever he can to stop us remembering that we have overcome the evil one. So how do we How do we stop ourselves from being overcome again? Well, it's very simple. It's not, as I said when I first preached, it's often not that in-depth deliverance ministry that we think to overcome Satan. Sometimes it's as simple as once again having a mustard seed of faith, just trusting God at his word once again. Anytime we come into fellowship together, we're overcoming forces that are trying to tell us it's a waste of time doesn't matter, you know, you don't need to go. Or every time we decide to pray, I'm going to get prayer, I'm going to pray about this thing. We're saying that God is able to do something about my circumstances, that faith that says, yes, I do believe God can work in this. Or times when we refuse to let our circumstances or what's happening in our life override a promise from God. God is faithful. God in, God's love endures throughout generations. Trusting those things happen, even though our circumstances may not be saying that they happen. Just trusting God is a good God. Anytime we do that, we're actually showing faith and we're, we're saying we will not see the evil one have a victory here and 
you know, the, the fact is we have seen, I, I don't know about you, I have seen what Satan tries to do at churches. I have seen that Satan just tries to, uh, tries to stop churches thriving. He's good at what he does. He's been doing it a long time. It's true, isn't it? If we think about Satan as this, he, he's been there off you know, in the Bible as much as human beings have. He's always been there, always trying. You know what's also good? God's people have also been overcoming him for just as long. You, know, you would think, wouldn't you, that he'd stop his attacks on churches, stop his attacks on people if every time as God's people trust him, they overcome him, he has to flee. You'd think he'd stop, but we, we, we read that he's just absolutely, it's that blind rage that he has. He's just trying so hard to overcome, but the promise is always that God's people will overcome again and again and God's people, God will turn around was well, this beautiful promise that God will bring good out of what Satan means for harm. And we hold on to that. And I love that this church has that faith to say, you know, God, God is in control. That evil will not reign in this place. Amen to that. Thank you for that. Every time the evil one will be overcome. And I think as I'm seeing, as you live longer, you start to see the pattern in things. You start to see that God's people do have the victory and eventually God's people become the fathers of the faith, the, the mature ones of the faith. And I think this is my favourite. John says that you know him who is from the beginning. It's so important, so significant that John says it twice. You know him who is from the beginning. That's enough. Nothing else matters more than knowing him who is from the beginning. And I think simply put, this is one we have to grow into as believers. We can't appreciate this as young babies in the faith. We can't appreciate what, you know, how, how immense our God is. We've got to grow into that, but it's worth it. I don't know about um, you guys, but when Lil preached here on Palm Sunday... I just found that was profound. I, I'm not sure about you. I just, and particularly knowing Lil wasn't, un, wasn't well and, and, and how powerfully she preached. I felt like I was there. I felt like I was there at that first Palm Sunday. And I, and I was thinking, why was that? Why was it that Lil was just so naturally able to take me to that place of feeling like I'm on holy ground? And I think it's because over the years, as we go from children to young adults, to adults, you know, there's another promise that we're being transformed into the image of the Son of God at the same time. And I think what I was seeing is something that's such an honour to see and that is Lil, as like many of us, is we're seeing her as she's becoming more and more an eternal child of God. So it's not just like, like I'm, I'm, we actually see that this is someone who, hopefully not too soon, but who soon will be with the Lord in eternity forever and ever. You know, sometimes when I've um, met up with people, um, much older Christians, as they're about to die on their deathbeds, I'm quite often, you know, it, it feels like holy ground. Does anyone else know that feeling? You just sort of, there's such a peace, such a lifetime of faith that you just think, oh, this is precious, this, this person is not just going to die a meaningless death 
and, and fade into oblivion. This person is going to go from imperfect to perfect. It is, so, it is such holy ground that I want to encourage us to go to that place, to, to know God that well. Years and years and years of fellowship with him who is from the beginning is one of the most priceless things ever. Money cannot buy. Money cannot buy that legacy of, of a lifetime of faith. I pray that's your heart's desire to, to want to have that close relationship with God for as long as you can. Because that is God's desire from you, for you. You know, Jesus, some of his last words before his death are recorded in John 17, 2, 3. It says, Father, you granted your son authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is God's desire for us, that we would know him forever. That, that is what we see. You know, God was dying to have such a relationship. That is what we can see in our lives that it's not just about this life, that this next life becomes so, we just long for it. We just think, I cannot wait to be with the Lord forever. Death has lost its grip on me and I want to be with God forever. God is he who has been there from the beginning. And hold on to this. We hold on to this. This is the truth. This is the real truth. We are just his children in this time and this place. Soon enough, we will be the generation that others look back on. I pray they look back on a generation that had great faith, a generation that just wanted to take the baton and pass it on to the next. God, who made everything, entrusts us with an amazing work here in Blackheath. Here and now, what God is entrusting us to do can echo into eternity. What God does here, can, we, we can see you know, fruit in heaven from what God does here on earth at this time. That is so exciting, I think. Work that echoes into eternity. We were created specifically for this time and this place. So uniquely made. That beautiful verse that a man read out, Ephesians 2.10. It might seem sometimes that it's an impossible task. Not for God, though. Not for God, as God who is with us works through us and in us. We actually do see God working and I, I just think that I think he's seen others do it too and we hold on to this. He has seen others get through similar things and we can trust that no matter how big the task seems at hand, God can allow us to be people of faith. When you're young, you think you live forever, don't you? When you're young, you think this is just dragging, you know. I, I see my kids, they say, you know, Whenever they turn 10, the next day they're 11. <laughs> and it's just, you do find though, don't you, that life goes very quick. At a certain point, you cannot believe how quick life is going. But you won't live forever. Ultimately, all this will pass away. What won't change, what won't ever change is we will be with him who is from the beginning forever and ever. And as we might look at our current world, we might find it's hard to believe that a, an, a holy, all-seeing, all-knowing, perfect, powerful God could love our world 
But he does. He does. He created this world and he longs for a relationship, this beautiful relationship that we have. He longs for that with each and every single person who lives. He longs for us to trust that he can overcome the evil one's influence in the lives of people around. He trusts that. We're with him who is from the beginning who can do these things. He can do it if we trust him, if we walk with him, if we allow ourselves to get strong, we will bear fruit, fruit of righteousness, fruit that lasts. God made his decision to leave his church in the hands of people like you and me 2,000 years ago and he watched as young children became young men and they became adults and they had children who became young men who had adults, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, till today. We have the same thing here. We have young people of faith. We have, we have the babies in the faith, the, the young, strong people and those that have known the Lord for many years and we pass the baton on. We, we take up the baton where we need to and we pass it on. We just see God working in his church. We have everything we need to grow. Just, just close your eyes for a sec. Have you embrace that have you embraced i have everything i need to grow into a mighty man or woman of god if you sit there this morning and you say no i haven't even done that i haven't even trusted that jesus died for even me even for my sins i pray that you would hear god speaking to you this morning and just do it don't i I believe that he's already already been in a sense, wooing you, just longing for you to come into this beautiful, perfect relationship which he's always wanted. Even before you were born, he's wanted to be in this beautiful relationship. Don't hold off. But if you have, if you have accepted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I pray you would avail yourself of everything you need. That pure spiritual milk, the prayer, the, the word of God, worship, fellowship, everything God's provided. Receive. Times of ministry, receive, just receive, receive. And if you have done that, if you've availed yourself of that, know you are not weak, you are strong. Everything that God's given you is for the purpose of you growing stronger. Receive that this morning. You are not that little seedling. You are, you are strong. Receive that this morning. And I pray that if, if you've known the Lord for years, You wouldn't just, in a sense, just hide away. Just, in a sense, retire. I pray that you would pass on. Just your your presence in a place would just pass on. Just the presence of God. Everything that he's taught you. Everything you've learned about God. That you would trust that others just desperately need to know what you've learned. That, that, That you are such a blessing to this place. Each and every one of us. To the children, to young people of the faith and to the the parents of the faith. Lord, we thank you for each and every one of us. Lord, we stand here this morning. This is indeed holy ground as we just are so grateful to be part of this eternal plan that you had. And I pray that this church in the years to come, Lord, just grows and grows, that that we would see others 
as we just trust that you've empowered us to reach this world, to overcome what the evil one's doing, that, Lord, we see people brought in, we see people becoming these young children of faith. And that one day they will be the fathers that pass on the baton to others here at Blackheath, Lord God. And we just pray and do everything and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.